Totally Football Show, American Edition. Dallas hit the canvas, DC goes down swinging, LAFC could have been a contender. For Philly, it's bye-bye, baby. And for Atlanta, Seattle, Kansas, and Red Bulls, it's just a bye. Can NYCFC, Columbus, Salt Lake, or Portland go the distance? We have the blow-by-blow. Here we go. Hello and welcome to the third Totally Football Show, American Edition. Joining me again today, our Canadian national team player, Lauren Sesselman. Hello. Venice Beach FC, Tim Walsh. Yo, yo. And City of Angels FC founder, PJ Harrison. Hello. All right. Everybody's excited. All right. One <laughs> of seven games, right? I mean, come on. You have to be happy about this. This is what you want for playoff this is what you want for knockout games. So much action, so many emotions, so much to talk about. Let's get straight to it. Beginning with LAFC versus Real Salt Lake. Sess, you had this one. Yes, and I know the city of LA is in mourning today. First their <laughs> beloved Galaxy and now LAFC. You know, coming into this game, obviously LAFC had the upper hand. In the last meetings, LAFC won 2-0 and 5-1 to Real Salt Lake. But Real Salt Lake, they came to play. And beforehand, Coach Mike Pecky, he was saying how they really need to set up that middle block, you know, not allowing them to play through, and to really just to put out a team out there that was going to battle. And that's exactly what they did. I mean, they only had four shots on goal, two only on target, which happened to be goals. <laughs> and LAFC came in with 84% of the possession, and they had 21 shots. Real Salt Lake, they opened the scoring in the 21st minute. Krylik opens and from a cross from Brooks Lennon. Silva, he, you know... Uh, mistimes his jump, which happens sometimes as being a defender, but he... <laughs> and, Excuses. Yeah. Excuses. <laughs> Excuses you know, he mistimes his jump, but he makes up for it later down the road when he scores on a beautiful set piece from Vela. And then LAFC, once again, you know, in the second half when Christian Ramirez, the young stud, comes in in the 54th minute and, you know, smacks it in the... Top corner, beautiful goal, beautiful through ball from midfield. And then in the 58th minute, Krylik once again does his little kung fu karate kick. Beautiful finish off of a LAFC clearance. And then the 69th minute, well, LAFC gets an own goal off of Zimmerman. And Real Salt Lake takes the lead 3-2 to two and finishes off strong. So, you know, it's, it's a bummer for LA. But Real Salt Lake, they show that they can really come alive in, in the playoffs. And I think that's what's most important. You know, there's great takeaways for LAFC in their inaugural season, which is good going into the following year. But um, I'm really excited for Real Salt Lake come up against Sporting KC. It was a crack and scissor kick, that goal. Yeah, I mean. It's not a scissor kick. It's the karate <laughs> kick. You know, it's, it's Ralph Macchio, man. He comes up the and hi-ya! I mean, just right into the far post by Krylik. And that's unbelievable. He got two goals. Uh, I mean, and he's a defensive midfielder. Mm. I mean, that's that's saying something. When you get that type of effort, you know, and you get that those those results from your defensive midfielder getting forward. I mean, I'm not gonna say it, you know it's almost like a number six, number eight, you know, Pogba ish style of just mm -hmm. getting forward and being creative. I mean, I was I was stunned by well, let's let's be honest, half of LA was stunned by that result, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, well, Bradley looked stunned. Well, I, I think he was shocked. Amongst other things. You know? <laughs> I mean, uh, with that game, I mean, you got to give Pecky credit and what they did through the mm -hmm. midfield, right? I mean, that they, they played so well in the midfield. And for a team that was, you know, having a barbecue, watching the Galaxy play Houston, <laughs> you know, yeah. figuring, figuring things out. I mean, they came out all right. I mean, I think they, they did pretty well in that match, right? Anyone agree with me yeah. or disagree? I mean, it might look like that weekend off gave them a little bit of time to rest and regroup and maybe... Uh, shake off anything that was holding them back, get them refreshed for the playoffs, and I don't think anyone was expecting that mm -mm. out of Real Salt Lake. No, not I mean Real Salt Lake going to Los Angeles and and it, LAFC. It's been a pretty much a fortress, you yeah. know, playing mm -hmm. at home. They've been stellar. So I mean, everyone, everyone on I think, and that might have been part part of the problem didn't think that they would have that difficult of a time with Real Salt Lake. One thing for me, and Mike Miller, the goalie for 
for LAFC. I remember, I believe afterwards he made a statement just saying that we didn't think that they could lose this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that, that tells you something right there. Someone needed to have words with him. You know, that, hey, you got to get your team waking up. If you come in with that type of attitude, you're most likely going to be shocked. And mm-hmm. that's exactly what happened with this uh, LAFC side. But really quickly, got to touch on some negatives, you know, in this matchup. And, and you saw it, Seth. I mean, they, they had a, a stoppage, right? With mm-hmm. after the goal that LAFC scored, what happened there? You know, where there was a lot, all the yeah, stuff that was being uh, thrown yeah, on yeah, the field. When they, yeah, the fans were throwing a bunch of stuff at Nick Romando and just, it was just getting rowdy out there. And so they had to um, kind of halt the game for a little bit there. Yeah. But, for PJ, I, I, I know you're used to this in England, but, you know, <laughs> <laughs> this is something that we haven't seen in the U.S. I think it's the first time that we've had a stoppage due to the fan you know, fan yeah. issues of throwing but, but, all types of things. I mean, back in the old days of the 70s and 80s, it was rough, but these days I, th- I think beer is too valuable for people yeah. to throw in England. <laughs> I, can, I completely agree with you. And another note, uh, I'm sorry to say it, but it's true, a negative, you know, there's that chant that is coming back again, mm. you know, if you say a derogatory chant, a homophobic chant, whatever, it's, it's, it raised its ugly head again at LAFC, and it just... Puts a damper, you know, puts Coming a damper from the on the game. Yeah, from the supporters section. Yes, exactly. And and I know that they tried to stamp that out, you know, before and even during the match. But the supporters, you know, they weren't listening this time. And they, when things weren't going their way, they just made things worse, you know, all the way around. So anyways, on a high note, Real Salt Lake squeaks into the playoffs and then gets a great result against LAFC and they move on. Hey, hats off. Hats off to them. They had an absolutely fabulous game, you know, all the way around. And there's one other player on that team, Brooks Lennon, yeah. a forward to a right back. He was spectacular. And, and see, forwards can play every position. <laughs> he was creating, he cre- assisted the first goal. He was creating chances all the way around. Brooks Lennon, he was spectacular. All right, on to the next one. All right, everyone, thanks for listening. We really appreciate your support, and we need your help to keep making this show. So you can help us by spreading the word by taking a screenshot of your podcast screen right now and posting it on your Instagram story or your Twitter feed. One person who does that will win a replica MLS ball signed by yours truly. And you know what? A five-star rating and subscriptions on Apple iTunes, always a help. All right, so next game in the Western Conference. This was a pretty good one in Dallas. Dallas versus Portland. Tim, you had this one. Yeah. Um not the prettiest of playoff games this round. Uh, you look at FC Dallas, they were you know, one of the better teams in the West going in, but they've been on a skid as of late. Um, you look at this game, I mean, it was kind of a dismal atmosphere for FC Dallas to be hosting their first playoff game of the year. Uh, only 10,000 people there whether that's because of Halloween or a little bit of rain. but it looked empty, right? It looked, it looked empty in the stadium. completely empty. And when you contrast that to the LAFC environment, I mean, FC Dallas, they've done so well over the years of getting better on the field, but as an organization, um, we I think everyone would hope to see a little bit more of an atmosphere in that game. That being said, um, they got off to a good start. A few minutes into the game, Rito Ziegler scores a goal referee the uh, sideline referee keeps his flag down but they go to var and they call it back so um you know how that can always maybe damper a little bit of energy in the beginning of the game and change change the momentum um then we see diego valeri get a free kick beautiful goal i mean it's the guy we brought up at going into this game as Valeri's someone who'd be a, back once again <laughs> <laughs> He was waiting for the season to get important, and then he steps up. Um, but yeah, so then one nothing. Uh, red card comes up. Uh, Larry's Mabiala runs into Dominic Baji. Uh, it looked like they just kind of collided, but you know, forward came out with the advantage here. And Sess is shaking her head. I no, no, no. So. He, gra- he grabbed him. Ah, depends on how you look at it. I think. Well, as re- a defender, I'd be like, no foul, no foul. <laughs> um, but then we saw. You know, Portland, they got a lead, they go down a man. Then, sure enough, second half, Diego Valeri, a little bit of scrappy play. Uh, Jeremy Ebobisi changes or charges the ball down, kind of dishes it back to Valeri. Open goal, but not the easiest finish. He had a defender on the line, um, but he he put it away with class. And 
FC Dallas never really had the momentum coming back. They nipped a goal from Matt Hedges in the last few minutes of the game, but it was too deep in the stoppage time and their season came to an end. There was a bit of aggro in this one. and I felt that the referee, Alan Kelly, who's just been nominated for official of the year, uh, kind of lost control of it a bit. Yeah, I think that just comes with the emotions of being playoffs. I mean, I think if you looked at every game, you know, across the board, some some of these players were a little shook by the moment, and it wasn't always the prettiest to play. There was a lot of rash tackles, a lot of giveaway of possession, but um, yeah. It's well, a d- it, it, to, for me, it was a chippy game, and, and it played right into the way that Portland wants to play. They wanted to sit back. They want to disrupt. I mean, FC Dallas, they're, they're known, right? They're known for like, okay, we want to play. We want to be creative. We want to have that style. But for, for me, it, I, I thought Portland played much better of their tactics than what Dallas did. And some of the players that stepped up, obviously we talk about Valeri, you know, the former MVP of the league, stepping up once again when needed, coming up with the goals. So what a mistake by Jesse Gonzalez and when he has a man on Ebobisi and he actually comes out, runs into the three players, and Ebobisi just falls with the, has the ball fall to his feet and just plays and lays it back to Valeri that is following up. And, and from that position with no keeper in the goal, you know, Valeri's going to finish that every time. I think it, another mistake by a young goalkeeper, mm-hmm. you know, for me that we saw a few times over this weekend, the, maybe the nerves of the playoffs really, you know, took it to heart. And, and I think there's going to be a lot of questions for this Dallas side, you know, as far as what they've done, you know, with what they've moved out of that system, they, they traded away, you know, Kellen Acosta yeah. right through the heart of the team. You know, that that's one of the, the diehard players that could take you to another level. FC Dallas has no killer on the field. And by that, I mean, no one that can put the ball in the back of the net. And nobody None. understands either. Yeah. <laughs> we, we spoke last week about double jeopardy. Bodgy is on his way through, got taken down. It was arguable whether or not that was a clear goal scoring opportunity, but he was definitely taken out. And the ref went straight for the top shelf. Yeah, I mean, he well, was clearly the last yeah, last man. Um, and I think positionally, just the way it looked, you know, he... he it's yeah. a red card. I, I, I don't care. He's the last man. He's made the turn. It's the angle that Baji has where he's actually cut in front of the defender. Bad angle all the way all the way through when we talk about Mabiala and how he comes in. He gets taken. It's that little arm that yeah. Baji puts mm-hmm. in front of him. He's beyond. If he doesn't take him down... It's going to be one on one with the goalkeeper. So yeah, red card for me. Without even the defender agrees. Yeah, when the defender agrees, you know you're right. Well, I've had my share of red cards, so yeah, so. we'll see how that affects them going into the next round. But for me, the big point, I'm still going to emphasize this throughout: no Kellen Acosta, no Mauro Diaz, no killer on this FC Dallas team. They've got issues. What about Max Arudi? I, I think Arudi is a much better player when there was a Diaz or a Kellen Acosta around him. Mm-hmm. Arudi, yes, he scores goals, but he's not like, he doesn't have that sharpness. He's not like that number nine. And, yeah. he, and, and he doesn't have, along with not being a number nine, he also doesn't have that killer instinct that I think a player like uh, a Kellen Acosta that's great on the set pieces that Mauro Diaz was with the setups and everything. They're lacking. And it's, it, for me, it's back to the drawing board for FC Dallas. you got to wonder, okay, another year of going young again. Yeah. I mean, well, I look at that squad, and you, we, we talked about Red Bulls in the past and what they've done with their youth academy. You know, FC Dallas has been getting a lot of positive uh, feedback for the amount of players they're creating within their system, but how many are actually producing for the first team? Most of them are going abroad before they even sign that pro deal. So... Yeah, well, that's great. You're making great players for everybody else. <laughs> well done, FC Dallas. Okay. <laughs> now, DC versus Columbus. PJ had this exciting one all the way into extra time. No crying in football, PJ. No crying <laughs> in football. 2-2. Two, two. I'd just like to say, I know that we made a bet last week, and the bet was <laughs> that you guys felt Columbus would win this one. Um, it's not a lot of consolation to DC fans but crucially, a draw with a penalty. Oh, you're go. Here penalty. we go. No, 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 no. no. So Look, he was moving this on. This one Ching-ching. has been registered as a draw. DC remain un, uh, undefeated uh, for 11 games now. But Columbus do wow, move through. Wow. So, you know, look, boys, rules are rules. You, okay, okay. I just want you to know you're setting an example of what Americans should think of Evertonians, you know? Okay. So, so, are you going to come up? Are you going <laughs> to stick you with it. the bet? Um, <laughs> so, this was a two-all draw. 
um, that went through penalties. Yeah, it was a tough one. You know, I think I mentioned this last week. Rooney's never been a consistently good penalty taker. It's a specialist position. He maybe has too much heart. He wants to lead the team. He he wants to be fearless and take them, but uh, he misses a lot of pens. And he was a bit unlucky with this one. It it wasn't that different to Higuain's, but uh, crucially, the goalkeeper got to it. That makes and, it a little uh, different. That makes it a little different, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think the, the Cruz head coach, uh, Greg Berhalter, didn't do his chances of taking the US men's team job uh, any harm. His tactics were good. They neutralised Rooney and Acosta, who'd been on fire coming into this. And uh, they really stifled DC's passing options through the middle of the park. Uh, Higuain did really well. He led by example and he scored with a you know really well-executed header. Brillant and De Leon scored for DC. Delion's was an absolute corker. That was his first since uh, 2016. But unfortunately, he'll probably be remembered more for Chris Waddle and his kick in the penalty shootouts oh. and handing the crew the tie. Uh, you know, just before he took that kick, and, and this kind of comes back to officiating, the entire crew harangued him near the penalty spot. When it comes down to it, everyone's just going to be thinking about today who went through, N- not about all the little incidents that happened. You know, and uh, everyone will talk about it for maybe a day or two. But, you know, Columbus is moving on. And and I agree with you 100%. I think Greg Berhalter increased his chances of whichever coaching position he's looking for. He's linked with the national team. He's linked with the Galaxy. I think that performance by his team was exceptional. Trap, I think, did an, a great job. Trap and Arthur in the middle, they shut everything down. Mm-hmm. And I, I think they really limited anything with that duo of Rooney and Acosta. It it was, it was great work all the way around and they, and they took advantage for me. I think one of the biggest areas was Ariola, you know, and, and we saw De Leon come in for him at one point, but I thought the attacking down the wings, you know, and we mentioned this before that midfield of Columbus was going to be important and Merrim, he took it to him. Yeah. You know, day in and day out. Higuain controlled that midfield. Santos on the right flank. They they were great, in my opinion. If you look at Zardes, and they we've we seen it, where he scores is the majority of his goals come like inside the six or right outside the six. And I think it's due to the fact that he went to Columbus is, is a good situation because they're a team that controls the ball and whips the crosses in. And Zardes has said... It's the, the knowledge and expectation of when that ball's coming in, he knows where to be, and that's yeah. how he scores the goal. Yeah, I mean, I would say the only downside of his performance, he made a real attacker's clearance that led to De Leon's goal. Yeah, we, we, we <laughs> <laughs> look, look, we've seen it throughout, right? I mean, this is what uh, this weekend had some highlight goals coming from that same spot. Yeah. You know, we're at the top of the 18, right where the D touches, you know, that we saw Krylak do it and we saw De Leon was some, and I thought De Leon he went first and I thought okay this is going to be the goal, yeah. of the, <laughs> goal of the playoffs and then all of a sudden Krylak comes in with a blast as well we do have to get back to the fact that you know DC United at their stadium at home where they were fabulous where they had uh, Lucho Acosta stepping up to another level had Wayne Rooney in there did not get the result yeah. and, it, and I, I think a lot of it we mentioned it I know I mentioned it before I still didn't believe with the how Rooney has changed this team on the offensive side didn't believe the defensive side was there and I think that showed up Colby what's it like to take a penalty in a shootout it's easy just step up and kick it (laughs) (laughs) no it's difficult there's obviously a lot of pressure when you're talking about playoffs um, because you know all eyes are on you and and I think it's really how you are able to transfer from the game to those minutes in between, if you can still stay in the game in the moment, that is important because you ask all the players out there and Seth can tell you, there's times when you're playing a game and you just don't even hear the crowd and you're just into it. It doesn't matter. It's just like, okay, I can take it. But if you have too much downtime and then you start thinking about, oh my gosh, everybody's watching. Oh my gosh, what does this mean? Oh, I got to make this long walk. Then that's what can throw you off. But you know what else? There was a lot of players that did like that short, the, yeah, the that short run. Yeah. Right. Uh, I've never seen that, but it seems like a lot of players have been doing that lately. Yeah. I think if you look at De Leon's posture before he took the kick, he's straight mm-hmm. up. He doesn't, I mean, you can almost see it happening and then leaning back too much, obviously, it goes over. And let's give credit where credit's due. Zach Steffen made a mistake mm-hmm. early on in the game. He came up huge. Big time. Huge yeah. in the penalties. 
Okay, that's going to do it for part one. Join us in part two when we have Ian Joy joining us on the line. And look ahead to the next round of Knockout Games. You're listening to the Totally Football Show American Edition. For sales and advertising inquiries, email hello at muddykneesmedia.com. Welcome back to the Totally Football Show American Edition. Moving over to the East Coast. Now, on Wednesday night, NYCFC hosted Philadelphia. To talk us through that one, we have Ian Joy joining us on the line. All right. Well, we're on the phone with Ian Joy. He actually broadcast the game NYCFC versus Philly. He's a former U.S. youth international MLSer and uh, got a lot of experience playing this game for years and years and years. <laughs> just like me, Ian, right? Thanks, uh, thanks. Hey, just remember, I'll forever be younger than you. <laughs> uh, there, there we go. That is that is the truth. So, Ian, you, you called the game. Can you tell us a little bit ab- about how this game went? Yeah, listen, I, I think it's always an inter- interesting matchup when New York City take on Philadelphia. Um, Philadelphia's record at Yankee Stadium has been awful. Um, I actually called the game on Sunday before getting the chance to call this playoff match, and it was pretty much a playoff game already. And uh, home field advantage was, uh, was at stake on Sunday, and it was a similar result, of course. So I think what you get is that New York City Football Club have found their form. They've got their best team back playing. Everybody's 100% fit and healthy. No international call-ups. No worries about suspensions. And when Dominic Torrent has been asking for a long time to have his best 11 out on the field, he finally has it at the right time. And at the weekend, I thought they were excellent and I thought they were even better in the playoff game. With that being said, on our UK show yesterday, James Richardson asked, what's up with NYCFC and Yankee Stadium? You know, Mm -hmm. why are they playing there? And probably more importantly... More importantly, are there plans in the making? Are they going to get their own stadium? I know, I know it's a difficult situation in New York to find some room, but yeah. are they going to get a stadium? Let me answer the first part first. Playing at Yankee Stadium is a benefit for this team. You have a small field, and the, the fans are electrifying there when they get over 20,000. But to answer your, your, your bigger question, which is the most important one, I certainly hope so. I think that um, we're now going into year five and uh, even us as broadcasters and who have been around the team from day one, we're all waiting for news. Um, I've heard rumors that news will break before Christmas this year. Um, I don't believe it. I think they're still a way away from being able to, to make any announcement. I know meetings are taking place, but they have not got one set location down. But they've got their heart set on trying to get this in Manhattan. They've got their heart set on having this in New York City. And when you make news to Major League Soccer and break it to the fans and sell the story to the fans that this team is going to be yours in the city, you better not let them down because otherwise they might not turn up. So the team are under pressure. Really quickly, did you just say that they want to have that stadium in Manhattan? They want to try and have it as close to Manhattan as possible. I think it's it's going to be probably... The favorable location right now is, is next to Yankee Stadium. There's two or three spots right there in the Bronx um, that are up for grabs. Uh, obviously, people own land there, which is a smart business by them because it's expensive land. And now these guys are forced to, uh, to make a decision to spend more money than they probably would have liked to have done to give the supporters do a check. <laughs> Get it done. Get it done. If they do that, I'm there on opening day. <laughs> I hope it happens soon. Okay. Yeah, well, really, really quick. I don't want to keep you too long, but we talk about Alfonso Davies, the transfer going over, you know, to Bayern. We're talking about the, the Pulisic and what he is doing already. You know, this this is pretty amazing to see the youth movement that is going on in the Americas, in in the U.S. and Canada, and a lot of players, you know, are getting a lot more respect than we've seen ever before. I believe. Would you yeah. agree? They love the American player because the mentality is that they work hard. They don't answer back. They're complete professionals. And that's exactly what you find in a a young American pro. And to see these young Americans getting their opportunity in Germany and especially in the Bundesliga, the top flight right now is frightening. Uh, We've had six uh, Americans who have uh, played in the top flight already. And all six of those have played and scored in the Bundesliga this season already. So they're having an impact. They're getting their opportunity to play. Um, it's easier for young American players to go over to Germany than it is to go to England. As you know, with the, the visa work permit, it's not easy to get. Um, so getting the opportunity to play in, uh, in 
a, a league like the Bundesliga gain experience for players like McKenzie, for Pulisic, even Josh Sargent now, who looks like he's going to make that breakthrough. And and obviously the Canadian now um, coming from Vancouver, you just mentioned Davies is a talented player. And uh, Nico Kovac has already said, we're not spending this type of money, so this kid can go play in our reserve team. This kid is going to be training with the first team, and if he's good enough, he's going to play. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you, Ian. Thanks for taking the time and coming out here. We'll be calling you again once we see NYCFC uh, to take, go to the next round. It should be an exciting match. All right. Now that we know who's through, let's take a look at the brackets and uh, see what's coming up next. In the West, we got Sporting, the number one seed, versus Real Salt Lake, who's just squeaked in the number six seed. Sporting, we always know, they're, they're that hard-working team, Peter Vermes, against Real Salt Lake that squeaked in. And I'm going to keep saying it because they beat that L.A. Well, they didn't beat the L.A. but they beat them to the punch. And they were <laughs> able to go in when L.A. still to this day. How did you lose to Houston? I don't know. <laughs> but uh, so that should be an exciting one. The super underdogs against the number one seed. Okay, now we move up to the Pacific Northwest. Seattle, the number two seed that has been on a tear, versus Portland Timbers, the number five seed. This is the one that we always like to hear about, right? This is the battle of the Pacific Northwest. We got to see what's going to be happening here. See if there was it, it Timber Joey. He's going to be doing any of those, uh, <laughs> you know, song through. I'm sure, someone out there can tell me if that's the right name or not. Yeah, and I, I believe the, the fun of games has already started because I saw something on Twitter from Seattle saying that you know just purely due to scheduling. Uh, there was wasn't going to be any parking for away team buses, so yeah, funny how that works out, <laughs> right? Yeah, Purely yeah. due to schedule. <laughs> <laughs> Convenient that Pacific North. I gotta I gotta get a ticket up there. I gotta get up to that match. That's yeah. gonna be an exciting one. All right, um, let's shift over to the East. New York Red Bulls, the number one seed and best record ever in MLS, versus Columbus Crew, the number five seed. A team that's fighting to stay in Columbus, a team with a potential coaching change in the future with Greg Berhalter, considered the brain right now. And so this is going to be an exciting one all the way through. Um, any takers on that one? Anyone? Anyone? It's hard to look past the Red Bulls for this one. But I thought that... You want to bet? Everyone out there, you know what that means. I'll put your money on Columbus. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And then the next one, and... And we've got Atlanta United, the number two seed versus New York City FC, the hot number game. three seed. That's this is a hot game, and which is interesting. People haven't been talking about this so much, this Atlanta United side, since their loss and since them getting number two in the Supporter Shield race. It's been kind of like, dun, 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 okay, okay, whatever. Like, everyone's forgetting. Don't sleep on this Atlanta United team. we got to see if Al Marone, what the situation is there, what, what's going to happen, because that... That could change fortunes, you know, mm -hmm. all the way through. So, uh, number two versus number three, that's going to be a pretty good game. Yeah. I mean, David Villa getting hot. And then Atlanta, they, you know, they have no problem scoring goals, but can they keep that defense tight against one of the world's best? We'll see. Yeah, that's going to be a good one. All right. All the first leg games are going to be played on Sunday, November 4th, with the second legs being played on November 8th for Seattle, and all the others are going to be on November 11th. So pay attention to those. Stay tuned. There's going to be some exciting times coming up there. So who stands out as the early contender after this first knockout round? But, I mean, there's some pretty hot teams right now. I mean, New York City FC, I think, has been a, a big surprise with the way that they played and put on a performance, you know, two games in a row against Philadelphia and then you got to give a lot of credit to Real Salt Lake a team that was sitting out all of a sudden comes back and is like ready to play and then Columbus I mean the how how they went into DC you know and put PJ's Everton <laughs> Everton 2.0 team out you know and, uh, <laughs> dis I think uh, disappointed PJ over here but yeah there's a lot of teams here any anybody takers on someone else yeah I think sporting um yeah just top to bottom the way their team looks I mean against LAFC two weeks ago we were talking about all the attacking power you know Daniel Saloui scoring Roger Espinosa scoring from the midfield but you know it was not said how good of a game Matt Beasler had that game so I think if you look um, from front to back on that team the consistency they've had throughout the year the experience uh, I'd like to put my money on them this looks like a good bracket for Kansas. I know. Okay. I love sporting. I played in Kansas City. You know, I love sporting. But I always got to go for the underdog. And Real Salt Lake, you know, 
they didn't put up a lot of shots this last game, but they have that momentum going forward. They they won over one of a, a huge team, LAFC. So I think going into this, I'm gonna have to root for them. All right. Because I don't think many people are. So you want to bet? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> a lot of betting going right on over here. Uh, don't forget, don't forget Seattle. You yeah. know, I would say, I mean, they're a team that consistently has moved up the ranks from mid-season on, knowing when to peak. And probably one of the most important things everyone talks about. Okay, they 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 lost to L.A. and all that, but that's when they had two players out and they weren't playing their full team. You know, mm-hmm. so to speak. So this is a team that slowly but surely just creeps up, keeps getting wins, and. I, I think they could find themselves sneaking in to that top mm-hmm. position. Yeah. Anyone in the East? It's going to be interesting to see how Atlanta do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, Atlanta. PJ picked it. You know what that means. <laughs> All, right. All right. So these playoff games come thick and fast now. So be sure to join us here on the Totally Football Show American Edition on Thursday to keep up with all the action. You're listening to the Totally Football Show American Edition. For sales and advertising inquiries, email hello at muddykneesmedia.com. Now, beyond the playoffs, we've seen a lot of off-field news stories break since our last show, probably the biggest of which is the list of MLS MVP nominees. We have Miguel Amaron, Atlanta United, Zlatan, the god Ibrahimovic, LA Galaxy, Wayne P.J. Rooney, D.C. United, <laughs> and Carlos Vela of LAFC. And uh, Golden Boot winner, Joseph Martinez of Atlanta United. Where are we going with that? Who thinks is going to step out there? Maybe an order? Or who do you think is going to come out with that? I think Who deserves it? I think uh, over the, on balance over the course of the season, Martinez probably. I mean, he's been phenomenal. And yeah. his team is still in the tournament, and I think that makes a difference. Yeah. I think how your team does during the season definitely should have a big effect on this. Um, so you got to look at the Atlanta guys having the advantage. Unless, you know, there's some unknown superstars who take over for their teams and those guys go quiet, then it's up for debate. But I like to think with the year Joseph Martinez has and how he's broken records, he should be the guy. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to be devil's advocate over here where everyone's going Joseph Martinez. So PJ, I'm the, I'm extremely surprised that you didn't go with Wayne Rooney. I just think coming in late in the season, you know, I I think for a guy to take MVP, you know, really they've got to be there for the majority of the season. See, I I agree with you. So there's some good logic for you right there <laughs> from the Evertonian. I like that. For me, I would argue and I'm saying I'm being that devil's advocate. I would argue Miguel Amaron. I think he doesn't get enough credit in what he brings to that Atlanta United side. And since his injury, I think people are starting to realize how much of an impact he has on that Atlanta United side. Without Almiron, Joseph Martinez isn't scoring all those goals. Everyone got that? Without Almiron, mm-hmm. Joseph Martinez isn't scoring all those goals. And we see it, how mm-hmm. it's changed. You know, when he hasn't been there, Martinez looks, I- I'm sorry to say it, actually I'm not, he looks half the player yeah. than what he was before. But with Almoron, if he can make it back in this playoffs, you're going to see a completely different Atlanta United team. So for me, MVP, and we're talking about MLS's most valuable player, because we're talking about how Atlanta United was so spectacular and fantastic. Well, they were that way because of Miguel Almoron. Maybe it could be a show to what? A what? <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe. All right. It, 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 I, I don't think so. Amaron's going to want that all to himself. You what know? <laughs> well, when he's on his way to what to Tottenham, right? Is that the possibilities? We'll, we'll see. We'll that would see involve Tottenham spending some money. So, <laughs> all right. Uh, we we also have newcomer of the year, which seems strange for such you know experienced players. But the contenders are Wayne Rooney, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, and Carlos Vela. Who do we think there? Who's got that? Uh, Newcomer of the year. Sass, come on. Newcomer of the year. <laughs> I like Vela. I don't know. I think it's just because I've been watching so much LAFC and he is a lefty and I'm a lefty. So mm-hmm. I'm just, he just, I think he's just done a, a great job for LAFC this year. So I think him. PJ, do we, do we even need to ask you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, you know, the, being here for the duration of the season, I'd probably say Zlatan. Yeah. You know, for his first yeah. season, he lit it up. Yeah, yeah, and, you know he, he and he came in 
partway into the season as well. Right. You know, so for him, I think the effect for me, I would have to go with Ibrahimovic. And yes, you're going to say, oh, there's a bias. But yeah, hey, I mean, Zlatan was spectacular. Yeah. Spectacular. And, you know, I, I had said it before, Zlatan being kissed by the gods. And, and, and what that means is just, it's not just his ability. It's, it's how everything kind of worked out and needed something magical to happen at an exact time. And Zlatan was there to make it happen. Yeah. You know? mm -hmm. And that's why I would say newcomer of the year is him. I agree. A lot of it was against the grain and just moments of brilliance that changed the momentum for the Galaxy and gave them hope to make a late playoff push. But Yeah, ask all those LAFC fans, right? <laughs> I, it's worth it for the first goal he got in the El Trafico. That's what I'm saying. That's that's <laughs> the one. I mean, that's the one. He's on the bench. He's not hasn't played yet. They're down. They need something to happen. The fans are screaming for Zlatan. Zlatan goes, okay, I'm coming in. Oh, you want to see something special? Oh, here you go. Bam. <laughs> there touch. you go. And first I love his explanation after that. He said he looks up. He's a bit out of shape. And he thought, oh, I don't fancy running. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he cracks it from 40 yards. He's all, the fans wanted Zlatan. I, I gave, gave them slides. I mean, unbelievable. Uh, all right, all right. So I think I think we're pretty much all agreed on that one, except for Cesc wants Vela for some unknown I LAFC know, reason. Just... <laughs> all right, uh, Rookie of the Year. We have Corey Baird out of Real Salt Lake, Mark McKenzie, Philadelphia Union, and Chris Mueller, Orlando City SC. And the Coach of the Year candidates. Here we go. Mm, this is a good one. Bob Bradley, LAFC. Gerardo Tata Martino, currently Atlanta United, Peter Vermes, Sporting Kansas City. Well, just because of the results and everything that went through the season, mm -hmm. you know, I would go with Tata Martino because I think he's done it back-to-back -back years of just making, I think he's changed the game a little bit more in MLS as far as making a very exciting attacking style of play where you see a team when the ball turns over it's not like one or two guys sprinting forward it's all 11 it's a breakout yeah. you know and it makes an exciting style of play where everybody wants to see that team so the coach of the year to be able to do that two years in a row i think is exceptional when we look at bob bradley yes he's done some amazing things there with the thing but i still think it, it doesn't come up to the level of tata and vermes i think he's consistent throughout you know, his his whole career. But I think if you're looking for coach of the year, we're looking for a splash. Yeah. So it's Tata Martino. This is a tough one. I would say Vermis is the only one who's won anything tangible in the uh, conference championships of the three. But it's a tough one. Yeah, it, yeah it, it's, a, it's a very difficult one. If you're going to talk about just results, are you going to talk about the effect that they have on the league and MLS? Because I think the way that Atlanta is playing is kind of a step up from the level that we saw New York Red Bulls a few years back mm -hmm. under Jesse Marsh start playing. And if that continues, we're going to see this league just explode as far as the talent and the style of play. All right. On Twitter, boom, one feed suggested Alfonso Davis. And it kind of poses the question, what constitutes an MVP? Is there a difference between player of the season and most valuable player? And if you're the most valuable player, does that by definition mean that you have to come from a reasonably successful team? I, I would say, uh, yeah, it it's, uh, depends on how you look at it, right? For me, for MVP, we're talking not team MVP, we're talking about league MVP. So I think you have to have an effect on the whole league. So it doesn't necessarily... It's not about being the best footballer, right? It's about being the most valuable footballer. Yeah, most valuable footballer for the league. Right. So, I mean, this can be an argument that could last for days on what that exactly means to someone. Someone could say, okay, well, it means about bringing up the the, the level of notoriety of the league. So you're looking at a Rooney or a, or a Zlatan Ibrahimovic, or it's about, okay, the play that has been on the field, on the pitch. You know, you're, then you're talking like uh, Almaron or someone like that. So it, for me, if I'm talking about a league MVP, I want someone... I'm a, I'm a player. I'm a former player. So mm -hmm. I'm always going to go that route of what you brought on the field. And, and that's where I think you always see a difference or you usually see a difference between press and fans voting of an MVP and players right. voting of an MVP. And for me, Almaron steps out far and above everyone else because of what he's brought and what he's done. I would say on, on that point, this season, the five hottest selling jerseys are the five MVP nominees. So the fans seem to have gone for the same as the players this year. Makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. All right, so Cess, 
Chris Lacey, also on Twitter, asks if MLS still needs older, big-name players to get interest from the rest of the world. It's always a gamble because you look at some guys, they've came over later in their years, and they haven't done too well. But then you look at his Zlatan, and he's taken over the league at, what, 37? Um, so it, it's hit and miss, I think, with those guys. You know, you look at some of the more mature players who come into this league. Rooney, you know, look at Columbus, you got Higuain. What an example these guys are on the young Americans coming through. So um, been this trend where they want to get younger international talent, have them thrive in the MLS, and then you can sell them for a great profit to one of the big leagues throughout the world. But there's still a place for those leaders in every team, whether it's an American or international guy. Overall, you know, if we get a quality player from Europe, from South America, could still do good. Why not? I think just on a commercial point of view, the the last time I checked, uh, Silver and Partners uh, packaged the rights, and I think they bundled them up with Serie A and a few others for international distribution. So the the big name overseas players with big brands in major territories, I think, go a long way on selling the international broadcast rights. For me, I'm I'm reading this question a little bit different than everyone else. I say no. I think it's you need young stars. I think once you get a young big name player, once you get someone that's at a top level that is in their 20s that says I'm coming to MLS, I think that has more of an impact than having an older big name player. If you get someone that's 25 and in their prime and I look, don't scream at me or text me on this one, but let's say a Paul Pogba says, yep. okay, in the next couple of years, I'm coming to MLS, I'm going to MLS, going to Miami to Beckham's team. That gives a like a bam you know almost yeah. to the level of when beckham first came over and kind of quote-unquote legitimized the mls yeah that will have an effect i think more so than bringing over older big name players yeah and, but, and i think the thing we're waiting for is the the first u.s superstar that's going to change everything well we got one in Pulisic. i think i think he's there he's on the route he's at a, a big club he's at a club where uh, you know other big name clubs are trying to trying to get him you know, they're trying to pull him away. You know, there's a lot of talk of Liverpool but over the years. What do you think of that? Yeah. Don't like it, but, but he's he's the one. He's a he's a star. Young player that is playing consistently and scoring goals. He's a he's a star. It's just that the U.S. market hasn't publicized it enough where it's gone into mainstream yet. Mm -hmm. I think that was probably one of the big misses of the World Cup. Mm -hmm. All right, all right, all right. Sorry, mm -hmm. enough, enough, enough. On to the next one. Seth, you got a good one. I like this Yes, one. another one on Twitter. At DuckFam asks, will a Mexican-based club ever be added to the MLS? I mean, if, if London Donovan gets his way, maybe. <laughs> 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 He'll probably be an investor in it, you know? <laughs> to, 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 to. I mean, what is the deal with that? You know, because for me, if you're a U.S. men's team player, you don't go promoting your rival team, right? He's pushing Mexico national team... What's up? Well, look, uh, and, and everyone knows my stance on that. I don't think you, you do that when Mexico, U.S., you don't do that. But for, for me, on the other thing, when you're talking Liga MX against U.S., I, I agree with him on that. I think that's a good thing. I agree with Landon that you want to have that type of, you know, that competition. You want the rivalry. That's what I've always been about. You want rivalry. That's what you see in Europe. That's what Champions League is all about. A club here playing a club there. So I would love to see... Uh, MLS club taking on uh, uh, Liga MX club. Now, will the leagues merge? I don't necessarily want to see that. I always think there should be the separation, and that keeps that that styles of play a little bit different, keeps that rivalry going there. Which league's better? These are all the talking points that we always want. But I would like to see some type of maybe tournament that gets more attention, that gets more money, that yeah. gets thus more television and more interest in the public fair. That's what I want to see. Yeah, I, I just technically I don't think it's feasible because as far as I know, the rule is if there's an established top flight division in your country, you have to participate in that league. You know as well as I do that all those things, <laughs> once they, money they gets involved, it's like, well, we're just going to make this one <laughs> exception. Yeah, that, that tends to be the way. Um, <laughs> In other news, two Chicago Fire players announced their retirement. Yeah, it, it happens. It happens, right? That you know, someone retiring, mm -hmm. but nothing strange about that. You might think, but Tim, tell us about this one. Talk about these sh Chicago players and the reasons why they retired. Maybe they're maybe the ages too. Yeah, um, 
They actually had three players retire. Alan Gordon threw him in there. Uh, Gordon's been retiring for years, man. He, re- <laughs> <laughs> he retired. Didn't uh, he retire when I did? <laughs> <laughs> no, the, yeah, Chicago is a bit of strange news coming out of the uh, Windy City there with Christian Dean and Brandon Vincent both retiring. I mean, you look back a few years, these are top draft picks, you know, who are 25, 26 years old. Christian Dean, he's been injured since he signed with the league. He went to Vancouver early um, over a handful of years. He's only made a couple appearances in the MLS, mostly because of uh, always being injured. Um, He was a guy early on coming out of college. They were saying this is a potential national team player, but didn't pan out that way. And you can understand why he would want to retire if he's not seeing the field. It can be really frustrating. The other one, Brandon Vincent. I mean, you got a guy here who is number three pick in the super draft uh, coming out of Stanford. So, you know, he might be a smart guy with options and interest outside of football. But, you know, this is a guy who's done well. And a year or two ago, he was looking like one of the best backs in the league. Well, I got a question for you on this. I mean, one of the, the big points for me here is these guys are 24 and 25 years old retiring from the league. Yeah. And I'm going to put the, put the question out there. Is it due to money? Is it due to salary and what MLS plays young players that come out of college? Yeah, it has to be. I mean, you know, we have a friend who I won't name, but he played for two MLS teams uh, up until quite recently. And it's actually better for him now to go back to school and study medicine. Yeah. No, that there's my big issue. It's you, you can walk away from it. It's not so much that you can't walk away from it. You know, in the Premier League, you might be making wages that. You're taking care of yourself, your family, but also your grandkids. MLS isn't even close to that. Exactly, and that, that's the issue. When you're a, young, you're a young player going into this league and you're 24, 25, you've got to look at go, and go, okay, what am I making here? Yeah. And then players like Christian Dean that went to Berkeley. Yeah. You, you, um, who else? Brandon Vincent that Stanford. went to Stanford. 24, 25, those guys can say, okay, I'm going to get out now, and especially Stanford. I mean, you know, those two schools are top universities where if you graduate from there, you've got a pretty good job where you're just going, okay, I can jump over this salary that I'm making now and potentially make, you know, five to ten times as much in the future. Yeah. You know, so did that, those guys, did those U.S.-born players have to leave and go overseas to come back and get paid? I, I, I think so. I think there's, a, there's an issue right now where especially if you're talking about college, you know, but it probably even goes to an academy. It's like, okay, you come in and then you sign. Every player and their agents have to look at, okay, if you're not the top, 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 and maybe you're even one level underneath, how much money are you going to be getting and for how long are they going to sign you? Mm -hmm. Are you going to sign one of these contracts where you're there for five years? Or is it better to say, hmm, I'm going to take a look at overseas, take my chances there, if I make a team there and then, you know, come back, is that better for me in the long run? Yeah. You know, and, and, and I think a lot of players are probably looking at that and trying to make that decision. I mean, look at these two guys. I mean, this is a perfect example where they jumped right into the league and they're, you know, obviously had doubts about their future. Yeah. It'll be interesting if any news comes out on why or what. We've got to see if we can get one of those guys on. No, I'm sure we can. Well, they're, they're available, right? So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who knows? They could be working nine to five. They may well be. That, that will be another story once they realize what the real world's like. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know? So we'll see. All right. Uh, a quick roundup of some other stories around MLS that have emerged this week. Perhaps most significantly, a change to the homegrown territories rule. Um, Tim, what have, you, what have you heard on this one? Yeah, so, uh, you know, a lot of people say this is coming, but they're just getting rid of, you know, the territorial boundaries that clubs have to sign academy players. Um, You know, I think this is very similar to the NCAA, where if the league wants to put restrictions and rules on it, um, which they have, then the clubs are going to find alternative routes to do what they want anyways, which is to find the best players um, who could play in their academy. So, you know, one way we've seen clubs go outside of their territories is, you know, they're creating partnerships and affiliates with clubs in other parts of the country. So you have Colorado Rapids creating a partnership with a North Carolina youth club so they can access the North Carolina youth market. 
I think at the end of the day, they're just going to, you know, you got to scrap this, make it a competitive field where players have a choice. I like that. I like what you just said at the end. It's letting the players have a choice, even at a younger age. And it's yeah. basically compete all the way around for and, and give the be- the players better offers and better opportunities, you know, from a young age on. Yeah. That, that's, where, that's where it's got to be. Now, on the expansion front, Nashville have announced their GM, Mike Jacobs, and possibly a head coach. A lot of rumors about Gary Smith. Yeah, uh, English guy. So, you know, he'll do well. The English keep on coming. Ah, here we go. (laughs) The British are coming. The British are coming. And a women's fronted investor group have become the latest to express their intention to bring an MLS club to St. Louis. There's always a lot of talk about a team going to St. Louis. We'll have to see if a women's group can be the ones that finally bring it, Sess. Yeah, I mean, they they tried to bring it in um, last year, and it just wasn't the right time, so they're trying again this year. And there's um, six members, and there's uh, one male, Jim Cavanaugh, and then there's the Taylor family, um, which is the Enterprise um, family. And they're just deeply rooted in the St. Louis community, and they just love soccer. They grew up watching soccer, and this has been their dream to bring soccer to St. Louis. I, you know, growing up in the Midwest, um, we would always be going to St. Louis. It's such a hotbed for soccer. Mm. It was one of my favorite places to play. So I think an MLS team is going to do really well there. And, you know, they're just in talks of building a brand new stadium. So I'm excited to see what, what these women do. I mean, this is this is huge for women. And, and, you know, as they said, too, from their mouths, they want to be um, role models. They want to be looked up to. So I think this is this is a big step for women and a big step for the MLS club team in St. Louis. And I think it's going to be exciting. Yeah. Let's see which of those groups can play the political game the best. Because <laughs> there's a few competing factions over there in St. Louis. Yeah, but you know what? I think it was just with the sign of the times right now. I think it would be great to have a, a women's leg group you know, bringing Mm -hmm. that team in. I'd like to see a lot of different, you know, minority groups come in here into this league, you know, kind of set set the tone, I think, for the future. Yeah. Um, And and finally, in some early transfer rumor action, and PJ always loves this, uh, Mm -hmm. Zlatan is supposedly again, again, surprise, surprise, the subject of a move back to Europe with Real Madrid, the admiring party. And let me tell you, Madrid needs the help. Um, Antoine Griezmann said he'd like to finish his career in MLS, but that's a long, long, long yeah. way away. I mean, how old is he now? 27, something yeah. right around there. He's, he's got some time, but that's the type of player we need now. If you're talking about making a splash, that's the one you, re- you need now to come in. Um, so no need for us to think too hard about which city he might fancy, right? No, and and you know he could join the French team at Play Prem and and help them out. <laughs> yeah, they they definitely they definitely need some help. But yeah, if, if Griezmann comes in, he's he's looking at Miami, right? It, I Beckham mean, United, guess, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's gonna do it for us for episode three. I'd like to thank Cess, who you can find on Instagram at L Sesselman. Tim, whose handle is at twalsh.88. And PJ, who you can find at? At Harry Vision. <laughs> and a reminder, you can follow myself at Kobe Jones 13 and the show at Totally American on Instagram and at TFS American on Twitter. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you again on Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs>